Let's talk about sometimes I lack bold obedience. When I was a young Christian, I had a young family, and I made very little money each month. In fact, the amount I earned was totally inadequate to meet the rapidly increasing needs of my young family. And the man through whose ministry I was healed and born again was in the area still, and so I went to listen and to receive from his preaching from the ministry. The time for the offering came, and I asked God what I was to give, and God said $100. I had, at that time, $150 in the bank, and it was still three weeks till payday, and that in itself was inadequate. But take away the $100, and it was passed seriously inadequate into dangerous. So I'm thinking, no way, Jose. So I turned to my wife who is more spiritual, had been born again longer than I have been, and asked her what God had told her we should give. And she said, $100. And so we wrote a check for $100, boldly trusting that we had heard God. The next day, I went and picked up the mail, and there was a letter from another town, where I also had a small church, which I was working with. And the letter was from a man I did not know and had not met yet. And inside the envelope was a check for $1,000 and a note saying it was something he promised God he would do the year before. And God reminded him about it a week before and told him to send it specifically to me. So a week before I obeyed the prompting of the Lord, Jesus was already blessing me because of my yet-to-be obedience to his prompting and to my giving of $100 because your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask. And so I want to talk about bold obedience. And we've been looking at the early church and their walk with God out of the book of Acts, chapters 4 and 5. And we have seen that being bold believers is what God calls us to be, and that that boldness is behavior born out of belief. And then we saw that we were to pray bold prayers, and how you pray reflects what you believe about God. And then last time we saw that we were to be bold in our speaking, and we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. So let me tell you another story. As a new believer, I discovered I was to tithe. So I went to my local bank, the credit union, and spoke to the manager. I had $6,000 worth of debt on a $5,600 annual salary. $6,000 worth of debt, and my annual income was $5,600. And I was planning to, to decrease my monthly payments so that I could tithe. Tithing is a direct command from the Lord to those who follow Him. And I wanted to be obedient, boldly obedient. The manager thought I was crazy, but he could see that I was determined, and so he allowed me to do it. One year later, I had never missed giving a tithe, and I had totally paid off the $6,000 loan on a $5,600 salary while raising my young family. And you don't need a four-year university business degree, which I have, to know that this was God. God rewards bold obedience. And that's what I want to look at today. 
I believe that God wants to speak to us, and he wants us to respond to what he is saying, respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, or respond to the teaching of his word, the Bible. And I don't know when you boldly obey, and this is something I do know, that when you boldly obey, you will experience his presence in a new and very real way. So the context for our text in Acts chapter 5. Peter and John were being seriously bold. They were preaching Jesus. They were preaching his resurrection from the dead. And they were preaching about the kingdom that Jesus was now king of. The religious rulers, the Sanhedrin, a group of 70 leaders, elders, did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus and said that they had to stop speaking about Jesus and the resurrection. But the disciples kept boldly doing it. God gave them the power and the faith to bring healing to a man in his 40s who had been born unable to walk. They prayed boldly, they acted boldly, and the man was healed. And this put the religious leaders in a bind because they wanted to keep the lid on this Jesus stuff. And so they called for these men who had done this healing. And they had a trial, and they had a warning, and they were released. And they headed immediately to a prayer meeting that was being held. And in that prayer meeting, they prayed for increased boldness. They kept on boldly witnessing and boldly obeying the Lord's command to go into all the world and make disciples. So the religious leaders felt increased pressure to shut down this thing because many were turning to the Lord and leaving religion. And they knew that if they didn't shut this down, that Rome, the powerful empire of the day, would come in and take away their power and deal harshly with everyone, the whole nation of Israel. And the religious rulers were jealous, and they were fearful, and they felt this political pressure. So I'm reading from Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, and the Sadducees, by the way, were sad because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They were sad, you see, and they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, the angel said and tell the people the full message of this new life. So the apostles now have to decide if they will obey. More than that, would they be boldly obedient? And in Acts chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So let's look briefly at these three verses and the principles that you will experience should you choose to be boldly obedient in your Christian faith. Principle number one, bold obedience usually triggers opposition. In verse 18 it says they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So if you're keeping track, this is the second time they had been in jail in a very short period of time. And the problem is that in our culture, where we're living today, we would say that this was unacceptable and seriously not fair because any inconvenience is simply unacceptable in our life. 
And when we have opposition to what I'm doing, it doesn't seem fair. And when what I'm doing is in God's will, then you wonder why you're facing opposition. So I'm heading to a city in the north part of my province called Prince Albert to do an evening service with a couple of hundred people in attendance. And you have to drive through three weather zones. Uh, the one here where I live, Regina, the one in the middle, and then the one in the north where the city of Prince Albert is. And I ran into a blizzard in the second weather zone. And I lose about 30 minutes, 40 minutes in my traveling time because I had to go slower. Now I'm going to be late for a service that I'm preaching at. So once I'm through the blizzard, I pick it up a bit, and I'm driving 115, maybe, well, 120 on a single-lane highway where the speed limit is 100 kilometers an hour. Sunday night, no traffic, usually no police. And just about as I'm to reach Prince Albert, and it looks like I'm going to be on time. I see this red and blue light flashing behind me. So I'm praying. Lord God, I am your servant. And I'm on my way to a service where your people are waiting to hear your word to glorify your son, Jesus. Let me find favor with this policewoman. And she comes to the window of my car, calls me by name, and I find out she's a believer and recognizes me from the picture as she happens to go to the church that I'm about to preach in. And I'm thinking and praying to myself, yes, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. We had a very pleasant talk. We talked about Jesus and her local church where I'm going to preach on time if she hurries. And then she writes me a ticket for speeding and tells me that she'll be praying for me. Totally unfair. I mean, close to cruel. The problem is that in the culture that so many of us live in today, we would say that that's unacceptable and seriously not fair. I mean, is there no give and take? Where is the mercy in all of this? Never mind the mercy, where is God in all of this? I'm doing God's work. I'm obeying God's call on my life. Nothing bad should happen to me. Now that's really poor theology, but at that point in time it was my thinking nonetheless. I've given my life to God, and Jesus is my Lord, and so he should be guarding and guiding my every step and protecting me from these stupid inconveniences. Now admit it, we all tend to think this, whether you will openly admit it or not. We expect God to act in our favor in all the little and big issues of life. After all, I'm a believer. I'm a disciple of Jesus. That night, the amount that they paid me for the service paid the speeding ticket I received. And so I worked for nothing, actually less than nothing, because I had to pay for my gas. And that's totally unjust and simply not fair. Well, the apostles are in jail for a second time in as many days. And that's unjust and not fair. But here is what you need to know. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you are not ready to be used by God. Because when you boldly obey God, opposition will come. Every single time. I mean, every time. 
that God uses my obedience to advance his kingdom in a significant way, there is opposition, opposition, and more opposition. And I could go through a list, but most likely you have a list of your own. Every bold act of obedience will bring about serious opposition, often from other believers. So don't worry when you meet opposition for boldly obeying God. You should worry when you don't have opposition because it often means you missed God somewhere. So I don't know what it will be for you. Maybe you will hear God clearly about being in debt and begin to live differently to get out of debt. God will lead you to do something others consider crazy as you change your lifestyle. Opposition will be there. Maybe you will downsize everything and live with less so you can give more to those who have nothing. You know, kingdom living, leading to kingdom giving. Try it. You will face opposition. Maybe deciding not to put your children in sports because it will mean missing church on the weekend and make you too busy as well. Teaching your children how important worshiping God really is. Opposition. Maybe not taking that new job or that promotion because it means having to work Sundays and you want to obey God's command to assemble and worship. Opposition. Maybe you decide that you're going to stop dating so you can establish a pure lifestyle and then wait on God to bring the right person along. And the bar scene comes along and all your friends are going out on the bar season night to the latest hot spot, but not you. And they're wondering, are you stupid or something? Opposition. When you obey God, you will see opposition. So don't worry when you do. Worry when you don't. Principle number one. When you boldly obey, you will usually trigger opposition. Principle number two. When you boldly obey, you will often release God's power and his miracles. When you obey, you can expect God to show up and work supernaturally in power. Acts 5.19 Remember, Luke, the doctor, is the one writing the book of Acts. And in Acts 5.19, Luke writes just a statement. No emotion, just a plain fact stated. Let me read it to you. Luke 5.19 But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. That's it. Just a statement. If that was me and I saw an angel, my statement would be just a slight bit different. You are not going to believe what just happened. I mean, wow. This is awesome. Ah, wow. This angel, he was nine feet tall with flowing robes and he glowed and he had this sword. He could kill an elephant with it and just a statement. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. I'd be asking questions. Did he have a laser beam so that he cut his way through the bars? Did a bolt of lightning hit each bar individually? Uh, can I take a selfie with you? But here's the thing. To Luke, Dr. Luke, this was no big deal. It was expected. Because church was being bold in obedience. This was normal for him as a believer who was boldly obedient. So he just calmly states, So during the night an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. 
You see, he'd come to expect that. When you boldly obey, you will often release God's supernatural power and miracles. When you walk in bold obedience to God, you are not surprised, or should not be surprised, by the miracles of God. And if that does not cause you to get excited, I would check your spiritual pulse and see if you're still connecting with God. That's really exciting, folks. When you walk in obedience to your God, you should not be surprised when your God shows up and does something supernatural. Now, I'm not saying that nothing will ever go wrong. They were in prison. That's not good. But in the middle of that bad situation, God appears and God provides what they need. And you and I should not be surprised when that happens to you and me as we walk in bold obedience. I know I see it all the time in my ministry and in my life. Bold obedience. Bold obedience, number one, triggers opposition. And bold obedience, number two, releases God's supernatural miracles. Principle number three. Bold obedience always requires faith. Every single time God promotes, prompts you or commands you to do something, it will require faith to rise up in you so you will step out and do it. Every time God prompts you to do something, it is going to take faith to obey him. And so in Acts 5 verse 20, Go stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people the full message of this life. Basically, the angel is saying, go back and do what got you thrown in prison twice already. Well, folks, that is going to take faith on their part. Go back and do what the people who have the power to kill you told you not to do, ever, 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 ever again. That is going to take faith. When God prompts you to do something, it is going to take faith to obey boldly. If you're like me, at least as I was a few years ago, as I learned this truth that I'm teaching you today, I always wanted some details. I wanted to know how this is going to work. And so I learned that God will not share the details about how things are going to happen because I won't be able to handle the details. It's like God says, if I told you everything, you would not do anything. Or, if I told you everything, you'd try to organize it for me. Or, if I told you everything, you would run in the opposite direction. So, when we hear God, we often start without the details. So where do you start this bold obedience? Try just obeying God's written word. Find out what God's Word says about the various aspects of life. Start boldly obeying even without knowing the details. You're going to have to step out in faith. Because principle number three, bold obedience always requires faith. The Bible states that God's Word is a light onto our feet. What does that mean? It means you are able to see a step or two ahead of where you are, but nothing more. And if you boldly obey and step by step, God, through the Word, gives us light for the next step, and then the next step. But you must step out in faith, not seeing the whole picture, not knowing all the details. He will continue to reveal things as you obey Him step by step. So if things have stalled in your walk with God, do the last thing God told you to do. 
obey by faith. Because Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. God told me that this little international ministry that I have would impact nations. I'm sorry, but when he told me that I was 50 years old and I just could not see a way that that, that was going to happen. And today I could share nation-changing testimonies. God told me that we would be reaching all 15 nations of the former Soviet Union when I was working in two of them. Sorry, I was 60 years old and did not have what I thought it would take. You know, a mailing list, a financial support base, financial partners, contacts in those countries, time to develop the ministry structure. I now minister in all but two of the former Soviet Union nations. I never received the details as to how all of that would work. Principle number three is bold obedience always requires faith because without faith it is impossible to please God. So I simply said yes and got ready as best I could to walk through the door of opportunity and faith as they opened without knowing any of the details because with God all things are possible. Matthew 19.26 so bold obedience will trigger opposition. Bold obedience will release God's supernatural miracles and power. But bold obedience always requires faith. It takes faith to begin to tithe. It takes faith to step out and talk to others about Jesus. It takes faith to go overseas and minister in the power of God. It takes faith to begin a business, to begin a ministry. It takes faith to be reconciled to someone who now hates you. It takes faith to remain pure until you're married. It takes faith when God calls you. It takes faith to obey. It always takes faith. So in Acts 5.21, it states, At daybreak they, en they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. They did not delay they obeyed fully, and they obeyed boldly. Delayed obedience is disobedience, and partial obedience is disobedience. So whenever God prompts you, you must obey promptly, and you must obey completely. No matter what, if it is big, you obey. If it seems small, you obey. If it appears insignificant, you obey. A friend of mine is in Hawaii teaching at a leaders conference. I mean, I know someone has to suffer and do these things. He has his wife with him and it is a really busy week and they simply don't get any time off to themselves. And I understand that as well. I work in many conferences for leaders overseas and time off is not something they think about. So they end up with a half a day away from the conference and so the two of them rush down to the beach and they think, finally, time at a beach in Hawaii. And God prompts the guy and he feels a serious burden for a good friend who lives on the other side of the world. And he knows his wife is not going to be happy, but he tells her he knows he must call his friend. And she agrees because she too senses it's a God thing. He obeys immediately and completely. He runs back to where they're staying, finds his cell phone, calls his friend. His friend answers and says, Why are you calling and why now? And my friend is thinking, 
I forgot about the time difference, and it's almost midnight where he is and goes to apologize. And instead, he answers, because God put you on my heart and prompted me to do it. His friend says, no, why now? Like I said before, God told me to, was his answer. And his friend says, no, why now? And it dawns on my friend that the guy is about to take his life. So my friend says, you have a gun in your hand, don't you? Yes, I do. Why now did you call? Well, obviously, God prompted me to call you because he loves you a great deal and does not want you to do what you're planning to do. Put the gun down and listen to me. And his friend does so and listens to this man talk for a few minutes. And my friend talks him into going next door and regardless of how late it is, ringing the doorbell and inviting himself in to stay there with them for the night. And he does so. Two years later, this man has worked through all of the issues that were driving him to contemplate suicide and is just on fire for Jesus. Instant, immediate, and complete obedience to the promptings of God. The apostles did just this and they end up being rearrested and facing the same religious rulers for a third time. Acts 5, verses 28 and 29. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, they said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. In other words, you don't know what we've seen and heard. You don't understand what we've experienced. But when you have experienced the resurrection of Jesus, like we have, we must obey God. I'm sorry, but we simply can't help you, and we can't stop talking about him. Because boldness is behavior born out of belief. And we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. It's not an option. It's not an if. It's not a maybe. It's not a whim. It's a must. And church, when you fall madly in love with Jesus, you will not care what anyone else thinks. You will not care what anyone else says. You could care less how foolish it might make you look. You become a must servant of Jesus. And you can't stop obeying instantly, immediately, and completely. You must obey. So, being bold believers is what we've been talking about. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. Bold believers praying bold prayers because how you pray reflects what you believe about God. And bold speaking because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And bold obedience because we obey fully and immediately who we follow completely with our own heart.